It's Vassos and Rachel here, and this week we are on the French Riviera as we took the breakfast show to the Monaco Formula One Grand Prix and to see the launch of Riviera Season 2. A big thank you for downloading the podcast coming up this week. Kevin Hart and Eric Stone Street tell us about the secret life of pets too. Miguel Barkley shares some amazing vegan one-pound meals. Matt Roberts joins us again to give us the results of last week's blood test. Poppy Delavine, Jack Fox and Juliet Stevenson are here to tell us all about the deep hardship of filming season two of Riviera on the Riviera. James Williams shares his plan for a truly astonishing world record attempt. Gordon Buchan apologises for making Mrs Evans cry. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave. Ever wondered what your pets really get up to when you're not home? Well, The Secret Life of Pets 2 brings our favourite gang back together with a few new faces. Playing the crazy but cute bunny Snowball and very excitable dog Duke, please welcome the crazy but cute Kevin Hart and very excitable Eric Stone Street. Hey, oh Snowball. Gosh. Hey, Duke. How Hello. are you guys? Hi. Uh, so uh, we have now... It's very complicated. Um, you know, uh, Secret Life of Pets 2, uh, very secret, uh, but the more you try and uncover the secrets... We have three major arcs going on. Uh, just get, cut, try Snowball was a baddie. He's not a baddie now. He's, dre- he's getting dressed up as a superhero by Molly, his new owner who's adopted, who lives in the same building as the other guys. Uh, and, and, but he wants to be a superhero for real and meets somebody, some other cat, some other animal that can facilitate that. So basically, Snowball right now, uh, after one, Snowball left the world of wanting to be a bad, a yeah, bad pet. Nobody yeah. really wants to be bad. Nobody wants to be a bad pet, but he was trying to take up for the flush pets, yeah. pets that have basically been forgotten yeah. and thrown away. So then after doing that, he found out that being loved was so much better mm. now he's a part of a family and being part of a family Snowball's new thing is being a superhero because he really feels like he has what it takes to pull off superhero like activities and he does and he does but that's mostly the catalyst for that was the dressing up yes tell us about the dressing up well the dressing up is done by his owner his owner loves to put him in outfits and these outfits have helped basically <laughs> shape and mold Snowball's belief in what he really is yeah. now a so. lot of psychologists would say that that really does happen in real life you have colorists and you have people like that and they yeah. will dress you for your right chakras and mm-hmm. you get the right energy so he's onto something here. he is he is 100 percent, he is so when he when he is engulfed by this false reality he he's he's basically overcome by tiffany haddish's character which is a shih tzu who needs help and she was told to find him and mm. this is what sends snowball through the roof because he now feels like his superhero like powers are being called upon okay and she, she says how about we rescue a tiger yes and this is what he wants. <laughs> yeah. This is this is this what is, he's been waiting for. This is what he's been waiting right. for. In the meantime, uh, Max and Duke now, who are best buddies from the first film, uh, Max had issues in the first film. Yet more issues. What's going on with Max? Well, Duke? now he's now he's neurotic because uh, our 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 son is off to preschool, Liam, <laughs> and so he's nervous about what's going to happen to him at school if he's going to do the right thing, say the right things, get picked on or bullied or whatever it is. So, so this uh, is a human. Yeah, Liam is a baby, our right. baby. We, okay. The film picks up with us yes. at, and our owner having a, a new husband and a new and a new child. So Max isn't re-threatened again because he was threatened by you in the first film. Is he threatened by the kid or No, not? he loves this kid. We oh, find out I that uh, Max doesn't like kids, but he loves this kid, loves our kid. kid. 
Okay, okay. So you see, feels responsibility. Yeah, we feel affection, like helicopter parents. Some kind of lineage, genuine sort of yeah. heritage here going on. So, but he still, the issue still get the better of him. So you go to a farmer meet Han Solo. Exactly. What this we, is unbelievable. I love it. Yeah, by the way, I love how prepared you yeah, are. One has to be nowadays, Kevin. One has to be. Well, and he's got to outdo that guy that just made that announcement. No, so. but now I you get it. I get why he can announce people at the level that he does because you, as the host of the show, <laughs> come in and your energy. It's yeah. surpassing that. Yeah. Is, this is great, man. What's happening after you? I mean, <laughs> well, nothing. Hopefully, the I mean, dungeon. We're, we're at the top of the tower, and we're trying to be at the top of our game. So, um, so where does it leave us? <laughs> right now. So now, now, I tell you where. Left Do you us. get back from the farm at all, Duke? Uh, you don't. Yeah, we make it back. Okay, from good, the farm. good, good. You make it back from the farm. Uh, do you rescue the pig? What is it? No, uh, the, the tiger. The tiger. Do you rescue Who? the tiger? Well, come on, it's snowball. Snowball, snowball, snowball. Snowball rescues the rescues the tiger. Max gets his marbles back. Yep, gets his cone uh, off. Duke is as stoic as ever. Duke is just good to go. Does Duke ever have any issues? No, no issues. That's what we love about Duke. That's is, what I love about is Duke. that. Is that because Eric is Duke and Duke is Eric? Yeah, but I have a lot of issues. I don't believe you do. No, he's right there. <laughs> Wait <laughs> a second. Wait a minute. No, it, it the, oddly. It, oh, you the, mean this as well, don't you? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I can. The tell. character I play on get to play on TV and Duke both are like it's just innocence and see the world with no like. No problems at all. Me, right. on the other hand, I'm stressed out constantly. Why are you stressed out? I don't want to talk about it right now, but it's just a lot. <laughs> so you ch- are you are you chasing happiness? Is that what you're? Just yeah, I think. I mean, I think. I think we are all doing. No, that. no, I'm not me. You're not. Yeah. Would you let it go? No. Or uh, the best thing, if you chase something, it will run away. Yeah. It will fear and flight right in front of That's you. It's another one. If you what? If you just try to not be unhappy, you, this the byproduct of that will be you will be happy. But that's the third one. Oh, you have dropped you three gems since. That is a, that is good. And I've I listen. I have tried. I am. I carry a tremendous amount on my. Own. Who are you? Who I are you, Eric? You. Who are you, Eric? I can tell you right now the best way to be happy. Are you ready? Work out. No, no. That's the what. Best I think. way to be happy is to truly realize that you control your level of happiness. So many people let other people pull the weight of what their happiness should be. When you realize I'm actually in control of how I feel mm. and how I want to feel. Yeah. So if I choose not to be happy, it's a choice that I made to be upset. We all if write, I choose we, to let go. We all write our own stories. Yeah. Uh, the, the key is not to start reading them. Oh, oh my Number God. five. That is so good. <laughs> Number five, man. Are you two having fun? Are you having fun talking oh, about this film? Always. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's no such nice. thing as bad days. Good. Thank you very much for being no. here. No, you oh, can man. go. Where's that guy? That extra? Is he going to extra us? <laughs> Who? That guy that stood over there at there that microphone. Nobody ever there. Thank you, Snowball. Thank you, Duke. <laughs> Thank you. Adieu, I don't know what just happened. We'll see you again. That's Goodbye. That's okay. Thank you very much indeed. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. He's lived with black bears, been close enough to a polar bear he could smell its breath, and fearlessly petted a wolf or two. Now looking at wildlife from a different perspective in his new show, Equator from the Air, starting this Sunday on BBC Two at 8pm. Please welcome a man considerably braver than anyone in this room. It's Gordon Buchanan. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning. Thank right, you. Now, lots of people including myself, got very excited when we heard you were coming on the show. How did you become a wildlife camera person? Oh, potted history. I was washing pots and pans in a restaurant. The man that owned the restaurant was a wildlife cameraman. I thought that sounded like the most amazing job in the world. So I kind of buttered him up and he gave me a job. Right. So, so what was the first gig? 
I was um, the first the first job when I was 17 so I had to leave school to t- take on this apprenticeship and I went to Sierra Leone for a year and a half Into the deep end Yes so I was on an uninhabited island for a year and a half at the age of 17 while all my friends were down the pub No but come on I mean you made the right decision there didn't you Yeah I did I mean it was really it was really tough and looking back kind of 28 years on I realised actually it was I was so homesick and this was in the time when there was pre-internet pre-sat phones so if you went to the middle of the rainforest in West Africa you were cut off for months and months and months but it was the thing that I did that really kind of led to everything else in in life so it was that kind of yeah just challenging yourself and of taking yourself out of your comfort zone which is sort of I suppose leads to success and fulfillment now in the first one hour because it's a break free because it's a a BBC show so it's a proper one hour telly not a sort of channel 4 ITV 42 minutes 43 minutes you know it's a big old show and you have to have lots of content to carry an hour like this and you have you know every seven or eight minutes you go into a new story and they're all astounding, all astounding uh, for different reasons. There's a lake, for example, that has over a million pink flamingos on it, which is it's worth watching for that alone. That's that's fantastic. I know you particularly enjoyed that yourself. Some brilliant camera work from you there. Um, I particularly also enjoyed the um, the leopard skin camouflage helicopter. Oh yeah. Yes, I mean that's how you, that's how you camouflage a helicopter, isn't it? If you want to if you want to corral wildlife with it, you pretend it's a a, a, a flying leopard, <laughs> <laughs> and then all the other leopards. I'm going to have to look back. I think it might have been a giraffe. It could no, have been a giraffe. No, 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 it could have been a giraffe. It was, it was, it was I a leopard. Know. The point is, it was very coolly <laughs> camouflaged, and it was the kind of camouflage I've never seen before. That's what I've got in mind, anyway. Okay, <laughs> question question for you about that, right? About that, and about all the other aerial because it is it is the equator from the air. Now I filmed in a helicopter. Uh, I'm all right in helicopters, but I'm not all right when I look through a viewfinder because you get unbelievably, you are prone to get unbelievably bad motion sickness. Mm. You didn't seem to get any, and you were staring through a viewfinder for, and you also, you were going through the dead man's curve in the helicopter and, you know, doing all the things that you shouldn't really do, but you have to do to get the photography you want to get. Now, that's got to be stomach churning. How the heck did you not throw up all the time? Um, no, I don't I don't really get motion motion sickness. Um, and because, especially across the seas, we're jumping in and out of helicopters and different modes of light aircraft. And when you're looking at things on the ground, you get into this sort of the thing that really really does make people sick you start going round in a, a spiral and you're looking down but no I was immune to that but I just remembered on this sort of across my career doing this job people say what's the most dangerous thing what animals have kind of you've been most threatened by but inevitably it's people that are the biggest threat yeah. and on that within the, the leopard print uh, helicopter <laughs> we were flying at kind of I think 80 knots and we hit a 70 knot headwind which just was um the i said afterwards i could tell the pilot was very very scared and yeah. we touched down and said so where does that rate and he said it's the scariest moment of of my all my years of flying so how, how many years you've been flying four which for a pilot's not that not that long could have been worse could have been 71 on a tailwind they yeah. would have been in trouble <laughs> airspeed zero or minus 60 uh, but um uh you you made my wife cry last night uh the elephant Sorry. scene yeah uh, you're removing the arrow from the baby elephant uh, that was awesome uh, because what what made her cry, and she cried properly, uh, was the fact that as you were trying to save the baby elephant, the herd tried to then save the baby elephant from you because they are so loyal to each yeah. other, aren't they? I mean, yeah. that, that that sequence of film is pretty amazing, pretty gobsmacking. Yeah, that was. I think that was the most, I think, overwhelming thing for, for me. And I have spent a lot of time around elephants now. And it's quite easy in some ways, as different as they are physically from us, to 
if you look at an elephant and think, okay, it thinks and feels and loves and cares in the same way as we do, and that's a good starting point. And I think in some ways they they actually they're better at it. Um, and I got quite emotional with this baby elephant because, um, you know, it's 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 suffering the most unimaginable pain we're trying to help it but there's all sorts of stress and and trauma and and I looked up and you could see that these um the rest of its family were doing exactly what you know humans would do which is just kind of stand at a distance yeah yeah well you would hope so (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's sort of it's it was pretty graphic and I think in this series what we've what we've done is sort of told the whole truth warts and all and not to depress people but hopefully to sort of to you know give people some hope because as much as there's bad things happening to the natural world to species and habitats there are amazing people around the world doing really positive things to to help and that aerial technology sort of allows us to do it at a much faster pace it can do it more efficiently and more more effect- effectively and it can give us more more hope and I think sort of at the end of this whole year of filming around the equator as bad as the stories were I was left with this sort of you know real optimism for okay. for the future okay well this is equator from the air it's from the air the whole of the equator in four wonderful hours of telly on the bbc it starts 8 p.m bbc 2 this sunday cheers gordon thank you very much you're very welcome the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio our next guest was in a few <laughs> weeks ago to talk about his new book younger fitter stronger since then it's all got out of hand we've had blood being <laughs> taken live in the studio testosterone testing and now potentially life-changing results on the air brace yourselves guys it's Fitness guru Matt Roberts. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, everybody. Now you're wearing black. Um, is that... I felt it's appropriate this morning. Oh no, we thought that might be the case. Hang on a second. So let's get straight to our uh, testosterone results. So first of all, take us through what they might be uh, between uh, from where to where for females and males. First of all, so females have a lot less testosterone, of course, than males do. A female healthy range is between about roughly you know, one and about three. Roughly, they're somewhere. So low levels for a guy. Uh, between about roughly, you know, 10, 11, they're somewhere, 12, and about 30, 31. That's your range. Okay, so now, looking for those sort of numbers. Why is testosterone important? It's one of the, the most, for guys in particular, one of the most critical hormones that we've got. We've got many, many hormones. We've got testosterone, we've got cortisol, we've got uh, melatonin, we've got all sorts of things in there. But testosterone is the one for a guy in particular that regulates how we build muscle mass, how we stay strong, how we stay focused mentally, how we regulate all the other hormones in the body as well. So without that being high, our sexual function as well as affected by it. So, yeah, it's important. We're quite attached to high and low testosterone levels. And if it's not high, we feel a bit flat and don't perform well. So you you tested myself, uh, Vassos and Rachel. Uh, Shall we go in ascending order? And by the way, if, if... If I or Vassar's come out third or second and she's got more testosterone than the both of us. <laughs> Which, you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It really could be the case. Um, come on, let's not get too down about this. Surely it can't be that bad. So, why don't we start with Rachel first? So, girls first in this one. So, All Rachel, right. we're looking at rearrange for you between about, well, you know, sort of half and about 1.82, somewhere there. You're 0.8. You're smack bang in the middle, just where you need to be. You are perfect. In fact, all your other blood results as well were all very healthy, very good. Nothing to worry about at all. So you're a very healthy individual. It's great news. So, uh, Vassos next. Vassos uh, asked me for his results about a week ago. I, I said I had to by sort of uh, pure ethics, and he got them and then didn't look at them, which I'm very proud about. It's good. But you should be a member between a range of about 13, roughly, and 30, roughly there somewhere. Yours was 16. So at 16, you're at the lower end of the range of where we'd like to be. 
Now, importantly within that as well, there's a thing called sex hormone binding globulin, uh, yeah. which we tested as well. This means that it's a thing which binds onto your testosterone. It's a protein. And what you're doing is producing uh, at a lowish level of testosterone, but you're also blocking what you are producing. So right now, what you've got, you aren't even using properly. So what's good is you've got some free testosterone potential, but it's not there yet. There's ways to make sure it gets better. Vassos now. So his car's in the garage, but he's lost the keys. It's basically what he's it got, is. He's got it? a lovely classic car in the garage. The weather's getting you know better. What? It's worse than that. The, the engine's revving. The engine's running. Oh! And it's pumping away. Oh, I suspected as yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> is it all the running that I'm doing that stops the globule thingies? So what's happening, I think, for you is, in fact, I'll come back to you in a second on the exact answer because you'll look at Chris's as well because there's a reason why those two things are linked together, I think. Oh. Yeah. You're like brothers. <laughs> it's so yeah. romantic. It really is. Off you brothers. go then. Come on. <laughs> so, Chris, so yours should be again between a range of about, as you said, about you know, 10 and 30 ish. You are 13.5. Brilliant. So, you are so the I'm in there then. 13.5. You're in the range, but yeah. the lower end of the range. And you're not blocking anything. So actually, you're just not producing enough of it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so can I, can he, can, can he, can Vassar become my testosterone donor? Because he's not using it, but has it. I need it and I've not got any. You both need to produce a bit more and you both need to try and work it a bit better. If you added yeah. your testosterone to my testosterone, still below the maximum. we'd still be <laughs> for one person. Yeah, but if Rachel gave us her 0. 0.8, yeah. you're yeah? almost there at the top of the range. Marginal guys. gains. It's like the listening figures. <laughs> we need to turn on more D- DAB transmitters, but internally. The good news is if you work a bit harder, for literally weeks, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, I promise you it'll go up by a significant percentage. Okay. So you can really rise quite a lot and you'll feel much more energized, much more charged up. The workouts that you're doing, whether the run or something else, will get a lot more returns back again. Yeah. You're going to feel really charged up, which is great news. You'll probably sleep better as well because you're producing testosterone, which means you actually in the daytime, you create more serotonin because you're more active in the daytime, which gives you more melatonin because it converts overnight to then sleep better. It's a, it's a virtuous cycle that goes up when right. you're into it. And hey, Matt, what's the name of your book again? Younger, Fitter, Stronger, which you're both are going to be, Rachel, you're already there. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's because she's been lugging that case around for the last week. Yeah. Because I nap. That's your, that's your I intensive nap. weight training. Yeah, there it is, right that's there. That's what that's about. Um, I have a great day. Uh, what are you up to today that you can, that you can uh, tell us about? I can't tell you about exactly. I'm going to be back to uh, my place in Mayfair now, building a great big super gym on Grosvenor Square, actually, right now. So I'm back to check on 30 guys building that, and then on with the day. All right, pal. Well, listen, thanks for your attention here. Pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. So our sports guest this morning is a man called... James Williams. Good morning, morning James. James. Hi, guys. Thank you. Um, now, James is about to attempt something. Now, and I should know because this is right up my street. Jaw-droppingly astonishing and extraordinary. Um, now, James works for our friends at Sky. That's right, isn't it? What, what do you right. do at Sky? Uh, I'm in marketing at Sky. Okay. Um, but you're about to take a couple of weeks off. That's true, yeah. And it's what you're going to do with those two weeks that is, um, how did I describe it? Jaw-droppingly extraordinary. Um Tell everyone what you're going to do, please. Uh, yeah, so on Saturday, I'm going to take myself down to Land's End in Cornwall. Uh, and over the course of the next nine days, I'm going to try and run to John O'Groats, which is the very top of Scotland. Uh, so it's just over 800 miles. And the current Guinness World Record is just over nine days. So that's what I'm attempting at the minute. Who, who holds it so far? Uh, it's a guy called Andy Rivet who uh, hold, broke it in 2001. Now, the thing is... Um, now I know you know I know you know I know, but I know um, what it's like to run. You're going to try and average about 100 miles a day. That's right, isn't it? That's the plan A. Yeah, Blimey. I know what it's like to run 100 miles in a day. I mean, it's a thing when you enter a 100 mile race. What, what you get is a belt buckle, and you get a different belt buckle if you can do it in less than 24 hours. And that is the sort of goal. 
I'm not, I can do it in less than 24 hours. I can do it in like 16, 17 hours, as, as I'm sure you can do it a lot quicker. But the state of me at the end of 100 miles, the state of my legs, the state of my feet, the state of my head at the end of running 100 miles. You've got to get up the next day. You've got to sleep. Then you've got to get up the next day and do it again. How on earth are you going to do that? You're not filling me with confidence when you put it like that, to be honest. Um, not the best pep talk in the world, is it? <laughs> I was hoping for some more motivation. Uh, no, it's a, it's a huge uh, amount of planning that's gone uh, around this for the last 18 months. So not only the training, so I'm getting up at 4am every day, running to work, doing 50k runs before work. Every day. Often, Pretty much every work day, yeah, so I've been doing that. And then running back as well so that's the back-to-back sort of running side of it i've done big training weekends where i've done 80 miles one way and then 80 miles the next day so i'm I'm getting there with the uh the distance and then the even more important part of it is like the logistics behind it as well so two motorhomes one cyclist seven support team members exactly yeah so it's going to be like a holiday really for me because all i have to do is one foot in front of the other. That's what they have Mark Bowman says about his 80-day 80, 80 cycle around the world, that he was actually kind of the least important yeah. member of the team. All he had to do was cycle. All you've got to do is put one foot in front of the other. But honestly, anyone who thinks, oh, 100 miles a day, I mean, it sounds a lot. It Trust trust me on this. It is. If you do this, it will be right up there in achievement-wise. I mean, it is just, it's phenomenal. What do you think endurance running gives you? Uh, it gives me lots of things. So discipline, like it helps me prioritise things really, really well as well. Like getting up at 4am uh, means I have to make some decisions, like not going out the night before and drinking, for example. Uh, and gives you that sort of grit as well that's, that I think is really crucial to all aspects of life. You can suddenly figure out how much you can actually achieve and push through when you... Have you, know, you watched Free Solo and films like that? I did just watch it a few weeks ago. Yeah, did you? And other uh, films like that. Does that help you at all? Yeah, it really does. It helps you just say this is achievable like you look at climbing those sort of uh those sort of um things and have you seen the barclay marathons i have seen what do you think of that one that is not something i want to do actually um (laughs) i'm quite good with roads so lands end john o'groats is mostly roads that that seems good to me um the bar we we drove it a couple of years ago um so we know how far it's a lot it's a the the, we flew we flew by helicopter down to lands and then we got in the car and we were going back um, to to John O'Groats for breast cancer, uh, in a pink in a pink car. And the thing that we found extraordinary was the first bit, not the last bit. The last bit's quite interesting, but the first bit's really interesting because you don't realise how far away Lands End is from the rest of Great Britain. It's blimmin' miles away before you come back to sort of semi civilization again. Dartmoor, Exmoor, all that kind of stuff. That's massive, isn't it? That's before you get to London, Birmingham. Yeah. You know. And then when you get to when we got to Glasgow. You know, I think there was another nine hours to go to get to John O'Groats. Yeah. And this was in a car. It keeps boggling my mind that when I get to Scotland, I'll be around about halfway, just yeah, over halfway. And Scotland's you, a long country. It is, isn't it? Because it, it, it's thinner as you get north of Scotland, yeah. but it's, 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 it's equally it's as long. It keeps going. And, and your, coach, your coach is a granny from Kent. It's from Kent. Who's uh, going to be with us at Runfest Run? Oh, then you sort it. If you've got yeah. a granny in charge. <laughs> yeah, got Mimi Anderson. So she's the current record holder for the women's version of this. How long she, did she, she actually take? went the other way. I think she was about 13 days. Downhill that way, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, James, where can people find out more? Where can people donate? What, what charity are you doing it for? Uh, so I'm doing it in aid of a charity called Hope for Children. So they help underprivileged children get access to education and healthcare. Uh, the easiest way to find out the links is to go on my website, actually, which is jamesrunsfar.com. So you should 
see links to uh, more about the challenge, more about the charity, and more about me if you want let's to find follow, out. Let's follow him, Dave. Yeah, no, well, you've got my number. Let's please, you know, please stay in touch, and we will we will keep in touch with this your weekend, progress. Yeah. So you you start on Saturday at four a.m. at Lands End, and you've got to be finished by. Uh, if I start at four thirty a.m. on Saturday, it's about six fifty-five a.m. Monday the third of June. Yeah. Okay, that's the after Rumfest. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So Perfect. there's a live tracker you can follow as well. Follow a dot moving very slowly. Can we call the you? Country. I mean, you'd be able to talk while you're running. Should be able to. One of my crew members should be able to put a phone to my ear. All right. Good luck. And by the way, uh, give our regards to everybody at Sky Marketing because they're brilliant at their job because we've been involved with them a lot since we started. Will do. Thank All you right, very right, much for you. having me. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Could you make a plate of food spending one solitary English pound? Well, our next guest can do just that. Known for his one pound meals and now taking it up a notch by making it all vegan. Please welcome author of vegan one pound meals, a man worth every single penny. It's Miguel Barkley. Morning, Miguel. Morning. That you was an introduction. Revolutionary was in a half, wasn't it? <laughs> um, Thai yellow curry. That... Are you telling me from your cookbook and that picture there, yes? Yeah. On page whatever it is, page 104, are you telling me that cost a pound? Yeah, any, anything that's in that. any picture on any page oh, cost a pound. That looks absolutely gorgeous. Tell us more. Come on. Okay, so basically um, it's a cookbook. Every single recipe costs the pound. Uh, it's the fourth cookbook in the series uh, and it's the first one uh, that's a vegan one. How many million cookbooks have you sold now? I'm not sure. I don't even think I've hit one million yet. Oh, come on. You must have done. <laughs> why, why not? I mean, look, look at this. Look at this. Roast tomato tower. Look, I love a roast tomato. Very good for blokes, of course, with the prostate thing and everything else going on there. Look at that. It's for a pound. And what's underneath it? That looks lovely as well. Uh, that is uh, potatoes. Um, but they're sort of like new potatoes. But instead of peeling them, I just... But the whole thing's about making it easy. So you literally boil them mush them up a bit pop some spinach in there and it's done bit of olive oil and you do you like your Instagram videos and things like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Instagram's where it all started so it's at one pound meals um, and just off the back of doing that I've got the book deal look at that Thai Dauphinoise look at that for a pound can you believe that mm. if you got that in any restaurant you'd be happy wouldn't you mm. yeah. tell us about that well <laughs> if I could only afford half a pack Troy <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, you, you've got to use the other half tomorrow uh, or you can cook it for two people well that's half of the thing are you bending your own rules sir no no because if you buy six eggs you're not going to put all six of them in one dish no, are you? why would you do that they don't put all your eggs in one dish, <laughs> dish. <laughs> how much is an egg I think you can get 15 eggs for a quid oh okay yeah Carrot and red onion bargy burger. I, who doesn't want one of those in their lives? I want one now. I'm salivating. Have you brought any food with you? I, I, yeah, I've brought some sausage rolls. I've got some black bean sausage Come rolls. On, there you go. Really so that's instead of sausage meat, you're using black beans. So mm. they've got like garlic, mushrooms, uh, black beans and, and some herbs and spices. <laughs> Have you made this pastry or is this... This is shop-bought pastry, so again, that's another hack. No one wants to be making puff pastry. Um, it's too difficult. Excuse me, that mm. is absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Oh, thank you very much. Delicious. I was nervous about... 
handing out my food. This isn't pastry. This is tastry. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, banana pancakes. Now these are American style pancakes. Yes, it's a tower of pancakes. It's a beautiful. I mean, architecturally, it's it could win awards. Yeah, uh, is that all that for a pound again? All that for a pound. Unbelievable. Yeah. But it's not really much to a pancake. Well, just a bit of flour. Yeah, but let's not tell the kids that they think you're a genius. <laughs> if I if I rustle that up on Pancake Sunday, because Pancake Sunday's Pancake Sunday, every Sunday's Pancake Sunday in the okay, yeah, yeah. Every single Sunday. So they've got to be healthy on the Saturday. Sunday they can fill the boots with pretty much whatever they like before ten o'clock. They're up at five. <laughs> in the kitchen. Why do kids get up at five at weekends and you can't get them out of bed Monday to Friday? That is a bad Because you're offering thing. them pancakes. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Point well made, Rachel. Thanks. Um, good. All right. Uh, what else do you want to say before you go? By the um, way, you can stay for as long as you like. We don't mind. Well, book's out now. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, and I've got another book coming out in January. So that'll be your fifth? Yeah, fifth one coming okay. out in January. I love the fact you're already sorting out January because yeah. that means we're going to get to see you again. Yeah. You, you can actually bring in more food next time. Okay. Because now you know we like it. You were worried. I was because it's live <laughs> on air. Imagine if you didn't like it and you're such an honest person. I'd be like, oh. I'm going to have some more. <laughs> but you see, to be honest, you're pushing against an open door with us during bre- a breakfast show because we're all starving. Yeah, yeah. So these might be rubbish. We just can't tell at the moment. <laughs> yeah, to yeah. us, they sound. They, they. I mean, they taste amazing. When you when you make your videos on Instagram, yeah. Do you have any tips for people who might want to Instagram something in their life up? Okay, it's all about the filters. So what does that mean? Okay, if you've got a photo, you take your photo, and then you've got to go into edit. If you don't go into edit and you're using the photo as it's been photographed on your iPhone, uh, then you stand no chance of of, of having a professional-looking photo. So you've got to increase the structure, increase the detail. Those are two little things in the edits. Um, and then a little bit of contrast, and you will find that your photos look a million times better. Uh, do you vid- put videos up there as well? I do videos, yeah, yeah. The videos you have to edit in 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 post production before you even upload it to your phone. Is that, so, is that more professional? Can you do it on your laptop or? Yeah, yeah, I do it on my laptop. So I, I take the video on like a, a DSLR, uh, take the memory card out, put it in the laptop, uh, and then I edit it, tweak the colours a little bit. Uh, but if you get the lighting right first time, then it makes your life a lot easier. You're very smiley. You're very smiley. He's a very smiley man, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? Are, are you are you completely content with your lot? Oh, oh my, so so content. Um, I just write cookbooks. That's all I've ever wanted and to do. Look little nine month old. Exactly. Half exactly. past five this morning. Yeah, every day half five. It's better than better than an alarm cock. Yeah, so, but yeah. I tend to, to have naps with him, so he has his two hour nap in the morning, and I have a two hour. Just going to ask for dad included. Exactly. Yeah. All right, mate. You're very welcome back anytime you like, but please do bring more food. In fact, we'll get you searched on the way in, and if there's not enough food, you can't come on. All right? Okay, thank you very much. Well done. Uh, Miguel Barclays, vegan, one-pound meals. Everything in the photograph costs a pound. That's it. That's the deal. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Not everyone can live the glamorous high life on the Côte d'Azur, and judging by the shenanigans in Series 1, you might not want to. Our next guests are plunging into the dangerous world of high art in Series 2 of Riviera, which starts this Thursday at 9pm on Sky Atlantic. Please welcome the beautifully composed Juliet Stevenson, Poppy Delavine, and Jack Fox. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the top of the tower. Enjoy the view. Are we up the shard? We're, no. <laughs> we're not up the shard. We're up the little shard. Oh, <laughs> we can take you up the shard later. Uh, we've done it before and we'll do it again. Uh, but this, this is called the little shard. That's what we're in. The little shard, yeah. Anyway, welcome one and all. How are you all? Very well. Very good. Okay, it's the day before the day before uh, the big launch of Riviera Sea. Season two, and here it's like the generation game. Here we have uh, we have mo- mother, uh, daughter, and son. Uh, because you, which family are you? Brand new family in in a brand new season. Go on, Juliet. So we're the Eltham family. Yeah, who Eltham's? Oh, sorry, Eltham. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good start, Juliet. <laughs> who, um, uh, She's arrived... normally so good, you know. She's normally got it, yeah. but today uh, who, it's slightly it's a bit early. Off. Who, arri- who arrive on the Riviera, yes. um, they're new characters, new family, to rival the Cleos family from yeah. Series 1. I see. And we are sort of minor British aristocrats, so we're like, you know, uh, capital rich, cash poor. Mm-hmm. So they've arrived on the Riviera having had to sell their pile in Dorset or wherever and to make a new life on the Riviera. Okay, so uh, Poppy, Delavine as in she, not Vine as in wine. I've been saying it all Night. I, Sorry, that, you, just don't want to get it wrong. I heard you earlier saying it made me laugh a lot. I've okay. never heard that before. Okay, well, I, uh, going forward, you should never work with anybody stupid Delavine as me. Delavine Sheen. Delavine <laughs> Sheen. I love I, it. And also, I picked Sheen because I went for other alternatives. Keen, mean, <laughs> Bean. lean. No, but I went with Sheen because it's because it's a Sheeny kind of thing. I love it. I love okay, it. Okay, so you're a twin. Yes. Now, are there any t- twins in the family? Just so I can check beforehand. No. Okay. <laughs> so no twins in the family. So you have no twin experience so far. No twin experience. There are hundreds of foxes, but none of them are twins, are they, Jack? So many Delavines as well. Are there loads of Delavines? <laughs> well, there's lots of people generally in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is not a revelation. <laughs> prejudice. This is not <laughs> breaking prejudice. news. Apparently there's over 7 billion of them. Incredible! <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, no, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Look, it's your fault for having us on at eight in the morning. Yeah, it's, oh. it's all down to, oh. to, to the ex-ginger kid. It's all mm. my fault. Uh, so how old are you in real life? 33. Okay, Jack, how old are you? 33. No way! Yes. Get out of here! No, no. Please don't tell me you got the same birthday because that would just be too much fun. No, he's older than me, thank God. very upset about this, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Honestly, you've started on tricky territory. So you have checked. <laughs> now, um, Jack, did, um, tell us about your character. So you, you are Nico Eltham. Yeah. Okay, tell us about him. He's sort of smart and erudite and confident, probably overly so. Right. Uh, and he's got a streak that you sort of, I don't know, he's worryingly able to... B, I guess. Okay, now, Cleos, the Cleos family are set against your family, uh, which is good. So we have family rivalry about yes. to kick right off We're in the Riviera. They're basically ruffle their feathers. But of course, there's sibling rivalry and then there's twin sibling rivalry. Please tell me that gets going, Jack, at some point. Listen, there's a lot of love going for Poppy in real life um, and in the show. So I think we have that great sort of dynamic, I think, twins growing up and going to public school as we definitely did right in the show. Um... Yeah, I think they just, they have that confidence and also, I guess, that separation from their parents early on and that gives them a tendency to try and make, you know, make their way in the world in, in I don't know, whatever means they can. Now, what about what about packing packing for the Riviera? Rachel would like to ex- <laughs> exchange some kind of girly conversation with you because she's been packing for, what, how many months? For two days there? Three months, four months? Since the weekend. Okay. But if you're, only, you're only allowed 10 kilograms. Five, he four, says five. Five. Five, five. What can you... How is that I mean, possible? Five, How five, is that possible? Ask him. Uh, oh. So, um, flip-flops, no shades, wear everything. <laughs> yeah, wear it all. What else can oh, wear, it all. wear it all. Uh, she says, Rachel says, uh, sorry, from Emma to Rachel, don't, don't worry about packing face wash, etc. Uh, just go to the duty-free cosmetics counter and ask for some testers. Not very big, oh. but good enough for a couple of days. No, because you'll get everything in your hotel. Oh, by the way, French pharmacies, they have the lot and all the best stuff, so you don't need to bring in. Do you have to say French pharmacies? Because isn't pharmacy the word for... Chemist. In French. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Pharmacy. Poppy, Poppy's your style. Chris and Rachel. Style. Look, um, what, what should she And bring dress one, one dress. Maybe one dress. One dress. What if you spill something on it? Oh. Dark colour. <laughs> Dark colour to black. hide. A little, an LBD. Yeah. You just say it's Estella McCartney if you spill something on it. Uh, couldn't Rachel ask <laughs> Jerry Horner very nicely to take home the, the clothes that she's already worn and have a bag sent over to the Isle of Wight with the clothes for next weekend, says Johnny Kent. Yeah, did, did that hoodwink Jerry Horner. Ginger Spice, she'll be there. I don't know her that well. I do. Okay, you can ask her for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jane. 
Uh, Dr. Jane says, please tell Rachel to take her outfits as planned to the Riviera, but ship her case back from Monaco. Uh, she can then enjoy the little plane ride, luggage free, then buy new outfits in Bournemouth. Bournemouth. The Stop home paying. of Oak Couture. Couture? Couture. I don't know. Speaking of outfits, Poppy, yes. your outfits on season two are ridiculous. Thank you. That little oh, white missing. embroidered play suit. Jack, you're, you Second look nice too. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm really yes. upset about this. With the headband. Isn't it brilliant? How much input oh, do you get in. with the style? Actually, we managed to have quite a lot. The lovely Emma, um, who did wardrobe, I remember like getting the job and a week later she was like, I'm taking you shopping. I was like, is this job for real? Like, do you get to keep them? Not. No. Oh. But as a gift, we all got to choose one what outfit. did you choose? The gold? I went for the most expensive. Yeah. Obviously. You would. Okay. Right. Uh, D- Dinah from Lincolnshire says, I'm going to Everest Base Camp next year and we're allowed more than 5K for that. Well, there you go. Wow. Well, that's rubbing it in, isn't it? 13 kilograms you're allowed for Everest Base Camp. <laughs> yeah, but she probably needs layers. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Now we are here live from Monaco on the Red Bull Energy Station floating in the port of Monaco uh, with team principal of Red Bull, Christian Horno. Some bit of music, is that all right? A bit of music. Uh, Christian, thank you again for joining us. Uh, so is that your job title now, or are you CEO of Red Bull? What's going on? I was a CEO during the week in, in terms of running a high technology business and then 21 races a year, you're, you're running a you know, high-performing you know, uh, team. So uh, you wear many hats and um, yeah, that's all part of the challenge of the job. How did you get your job at Red Bull? Um, well, I, I originally started life as a driver. I then started my own team racing in what's now Formula 2. And then Red Bull bought what was the Jaguar team. And uh, Dietrich Mateschitz approached me to come along and, and run that team. And at the time, I was, I was 31 years of age. And it was for me, it was a, a no-brainer to make, that, to make that step. And then, of course, the team's you know, grown and grown over that period. Right, the Red Bull mentality, right? So, yeah. so I've been around you guys for a few years now. You've always been very nice. You've given us loads of support with children, so thanks for, for the past and thanks for the present and hopefully here's to the future. Uh, but the rock and roll Red Bull mentality, you do have more fun. You do definitely have more fun than any other team. Um, is that part of the strategy? Is that part of your philosophy? Is that why you find people coming to work for you? It's part of the ethos. I mean, Red Bull isn't, you know, like a Mercedes-Benz or a, a big OEM, you know. Red Bull is a, an energy drink company. We get involved in all kinds of sports, all kinds of activities all over the world. It's about having fun. It's about engaging with people. And, and that's the ethos that we have. So you come to our factory, you'll see a lot of people in jeans and T-shirts, whereas, you know, other teams might be in suits and ties. And, and it's injecting that, that energy, that, that fun into what you do, which, which is what we've brought into Grand Prix racing, which is, you know, why this whole hospitality unit is here. It's about... You know, embracing life, having fun, and enjoying what you do. And that, how is that useful? How does that, how does that sort sort of benefit the team? You know, when it gets when it comes to race day, because that, because it does, doesn't it? That positive Absolutely. mental attitude. Absolutely, because the whole team, you know, is, is just focused on racing, and, and uh, there's a real energy that you know we want to take on the big brands. We want to take on the Ferraris, the Mercedes. You know, as Lewis and Hamilton once said, we are just an energy drink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, we're taking on those 
those iconic, you know, huge automotive. Uh, so you're always looking up. You're always so, having a go, aren't you? So it's yeah, it's it's part of the fun. It's the have a go team, though, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, because we feel the same. We're the Mavericks. I think I think Virginia, I think the wireless screen. I think we're so similar because yeah. obviously you know we're not the biggest. Yeah. But, I mean that's our mission. Yeah. We, we want to be number one. Of course we do. And we upset it. I mean the mechanics play the music louder than any other team <laughs> in the, in the pit lane. Yeah, Ferrari get get pretty upset with our choice of music. I think Mercedes as well. But it's yeah, you walk in our garage, it's rock and roll. There's an energy. There's a vibrance in there, and you feel that energy, and that just builds and builds and builds as we go to the race. Right, tell us about Aston Martin. Tell us about your collaboration with Aston Martin. How did that happen? Where are you up to? What are you up to? Well, that started because uh, basically Adrian wanted to do a road car. And he said, I'm, look, I'm off to Ferrari. They made me a great offer to go and design a road car and, and, and race cars. I said, well, you don't need to do that. We'll, we'll design our own. And so um, then I had to find somebody to do that road car with. And Andy Palmer had recently joined as CEO of Aston Martin. We knew him from Nissan Infinity days. And uh, you know, Aston's such a cool brand, such a great brand, that bringing Aston, Adrian and Red Bull together uh, seemed a, a natural thing. And uh, we managed to, to come up with the right, you know, the funding to, to do that. And then Adrian designed what is just the most beautiful, uh, you know, high performing, ridiculously expensive, uh, you know, car you've ever seen. And um, that starts running in about a month's time. So that's been a really exciting project and taking all the DNA from Formula One and putting that into the road this car. This is the Valkyrie? This is the Valkyrie, yeah. Okay, so I saw the Valkyrie on his coffee table in his house about five years ago yeah. uh, with the Red Bull livery and he said, if if I could, do, if they just let me design the best Formula One car in the world, this would be it. And not content with that because it couldn't happen, yeah. he just turned it into the road car instead. Absolutely, and he's had total freedom with this car and um, it's not often, you, you, you know, you see these beautiful concept cars and then by the time they hit the road, they look different, they're considerably different. This has just gone more extreme. It's just got better and better and better. And with the styling that, that Aston, you know, have brought to it with, you know, Marek Reichman and Miles, uh, they've, they've done an amazing job in creating something really beautiful and elegant, but just extreme in its aerodynamics. It's realistic chances this weekend. This is the best chance you've had this far of perhaps winning a Grand Prix this year, would you say? I think, yeah, it's probably... Yeah, Monaco is Monaco. I mean, we've always been strong here. I think the worrying thing for us is Mercedes, particularly in the slow corners at the last race, look mighty. And so you've got to say Lewis is absolute odds-on favourite here. But, you know, Max has been driving brilliantly well and, you know, he needs a bit of redemption after last year. And, and hopefully we can get close to them. I mean, if we could split the Mercedes, I mean, it's been, you know, one, two finishes in the first five races for them. If we could split them this weekend, I think even that would be an amazing result for us. All right, and the notorious swimming pool uh, up the yeah. top there. It'd be great to see somebody uh, jump in there voluntarily as opposed to being thrown in because they didn't Absolutely. do well enough. Well, a few years ago, I had a bet when David Coulthard was driving for us with uh, Martin Brundle. And Martin bet me that, you know, he'd be on the podium that weekend back in 2006 when the first time the pool arrived. And I said, if, my, if David's on the podium that weekend, I'll jump naked into that pool. <laughs> and of course he finished third. <laughs> and I thought everybody, he would have forgotten the bet, but Martin announced it to the entire nation. And so of course, being a man of honor, I had to, had to do the- What was the temperature, was especially cold day or warm? It was a bit chilly. <laughs> Thankfully I had a Superman cape to, to protect my modesty. Okay, do you still have the Superman cape? <laughs> I don't think I have, actually. Okay, I'm sure Jerry would love it if you could find it somewhere <laughs> in the loft. All right, uh, great to talk to you, Christian. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. It's Paula Radcliffe, everybody. <laughs> uh, Monaco resident. You talked about the running community here on the Riviera. Tell us more about that. 
Um, it's just a nice, friendly running community. I mean, the weather's nice, apart from, well, even today it's all right for running. Yeah. Um, and so everybody's pretty friendly and, and keeps an eye out for each other. And there's a lot of the carabiniers, which are the, the prince's um, guards, and the pompiers who will be part of the, the training group. Are you like a head running girl? No. How does it work? How I does just it take work? A lot, I take a group of kids out. Do you? Um, and then I've just been a member since I moved here, so um, they kept an eye on me. I remember when I was pregnant, and um, they kept an eye on the hospital, so they knew when I'd given birth. <laughs> and they managed to send a bunch of flowers in. Uh, how, what, what's, the, what's the closest to giving birth you've run competitively? It's pretty close, isn't it? Competitively? Yeah. Um, afterwards, um, was about nine months. What about before? Well, I ran right through, but I didn't really run competitively. Right. Unless you count just. What's the longest run you did closest to giving birth to an actual human being? That morning. Really? <laughs> She's crackers, isn't she? In her own, in her own beautiful way, Paula Radcliffe is absolutely barking mad. That is so cool. It is. That it is sent so cool, me out Paula. because I was overdue. I was two weeks overdue, so the gynecologist actually said, "Can you just go out and run some hill reps, please, or just do something?" Ladies, if you're if you're with child and you're listening now, hill reps, and it's looming large, it didn't work. and you're feeling this has been going on too long, get out for a run. Yeah? Up and down the Learest Hill. Forget cash to 5K, <laughs> crash to 5K is where you want to be. All right, so a week today we're going to be uh, back in the UK. We're going to be at Bowood House, Run Fest Run. Um, you can go there. Uh, more ticket uh, details now, runfestrun.co.uk. Over 5,500 people have signed up and they're coming to run with us, Paula. Team Butterfly. Is that who you are? Yeah. Team Butterfly. So, so there are four teams. Uh, there's yourself heading a team, Colin Jackson, Steve Cram. Mrs. Evans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know Mrs. Evans over the last week. Um, she has been supplanted in the real world by Tequila Tash. Have you ever met Tequila Tash? <laughs> I think I might have done a yeah, car Yeah, Isn't she fun? <laughs> she is. There's, Mrs. there's daytime Mrs. Evans, then there's weekend and nighttime Tequila Tash. <laughs> and that's part of the training, is it? I don't know. Oh, I'm way behind in the training. I thought you know. Okay, so we're going we're to be meeting there next weekend. We're going to have a right laugh, aren't we? So yeah, Friday, Saturday, definitely. Sunday. Uh, hubba, hubba, hubba. Uh, roll up, roll up. Uh, please do come along. Uh, what, what's, who were your idols as a, as a kid? Who, posters on your wall, Paula? Oh, we did this one last time, didn't we? The poster on my wall was yeah. the Athena man with the baby. Um, but the idols were um, Greta Weitz, Ingrid Christensen, Crammy for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, let's not tell him that for heaven's <laughs> sake. Okay, we'll never hear the last bit. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We're here celebrating the launch of season two of Riviera on Sky Atlantic. All episodes are now available and you can catch up on demand. Uh, from season one. Uh, I'm up to episode two. I've watched episode two of season three. Now, Chris Tiki, who you may not have heard, probably wouldn't have heard of, uh, he's the exec producer and he's with us now. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Uh, so, so shall we, shall we, um, should we have a little bit of full disclosure about our previous? Trip down memory lane. Yeah, go on, off you go. Uh, we met in 1991. Mm -hmm. uh, you were a local radio DJ on GLR, <laughs> I believe. Correct. Great to London Radio for the BBC. There you go. About to uh, launch the sensation that was the Big Breakfast. Yeah, and your job at the time was? I was a lowly publicist. I was there to try and make the show famous. Okay, now you didn't have a company car, you had a company motorbike, which was a Yamaha 125 was it, was trials 125, bike. Yeah. Okay, um, and you used to pitch up to the big breakfast at, at, um, at uh, uh, Lockkeeper's Cottages. Lockkeeper's Cottages, of course. And um, your brief from your boss, who is now a lifelong friend, was you have to get the big breakfast, a story about the big breakfast in a paper every day, otherwise you, you, you were fired. That was basically it. That I remember my, my favourite was 
We'd had George Best on, and we persuaded him to shave his beard off with zig and zag. <laughs> and I worked out that if I could pick up his beard clippings, I could get the Daily Star to give them away in a competition. And that's, <laughs> that's why he's the man today, and that's why he's earning the big bucks. Now, back to Riviera. So, so how was Riviera born? Who was responsible for the, Sky's biggest ever hit? I know, it's amazing. Um, uh, well, uh, Paul had been uh, U2's manager for 35 years and was starting to step down, didn't want to go out on the road on him anymore. And he called me and said, look, I've you know, had a house down in the south of France for a long time. U2 used to use Nice as a base for their European tours because it has a 24-hour airport. And um, he said, I, you know, I'm kind of interested in maybe because should we try, try and think of a film? Should we try and come up with a film that's set down here? There hasn't really been anything down here since Dirty Rotten Scoundrels catch, to Catch a Thief. You know, why don't we look at the South of France? I said, that's a good idea. Um, and it was an opportunity to come down and spend some time at Paul McGuinness's house in the South of France. Um, and Live in the dream. <laughs> and uh, over a period of time, we, we just sort of developed it from a, you know, was it a heist? And then we looked at, there was a, there was a famous story here as a woman called Helene Pastor who was gunned down outside Monaco a few years ago, who, uh, whose family run the biggest construction business in Monaco. And we were like, well, hang on, that's weird. Why is this sort of matriarch of a massive Monaco family being gunned down uh, uh, outside the, the city limits? And that led us into this idea of a sort of matriarchal crime family drama, I guess. And, and we spent a bunch of time, we met um, with a bunch of writers, eventually uh, a guy called Neil Jordan, Oscar-winning writer, uh, wrote the initial pilot script for it, and um, we went into Sky. At, at the time that we pitched it to Sky, I think, you have to remember, it was sort of everything was Scandi-noir. So everything on television was child rape or disappearances. It was, you know, everything was kind of dark. And we sent in this script, which was, you know, it was outright entertaining. <laughs> I mean, there were complex characters, crime, all sorts of things that, sitting underneath it. But we wanted something that was big and fun and glamorous. And to Sky's credit, they went, this is great, let's go. Okay, and uh, season one, of course, uh, last year, season two, uh, on the air now, and uh, we can announce, because you're here, so let's just do it, shall we? Yeah. Uh, season three is in the bag, it's, it's good we to go. We are about to start uh, production on season three, we start shooting in uh, August, we will be back on air next year. This year we're taking the show to Venice, to Saint-Tropez, to Buenos Aires. We're going on a sort of big international adventure with Georgina. Uh, and you know, our, our intention with every series is just to go go a bit bigger, <laughs> a bit more ambitious. A bit further afield. A bit further afield, more glamour, more of everything that the show delivers. All right, Paul, congratulations, well done. You. You've come a long way and you deserve all the success you, you seem to be enjoying. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.